0: This is Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless
1: Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Basketball Party on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome in, everybody. It's a new week on the Minnesota Basketball Party Episode 2. Here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. If you're new to this show, we're talking Timberwolves every Wednesday for the rest of the season with this crew. Myself, Sam Ekstrom, Reggie Wilson, Carol Evans, sports director and anchor, Jack Borman, writer, managing editor of Canis Hoopus, Ben Beacon, Lockdown Wolves daily host, and Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota, former NFL wide receiver. Talking Timberwolves again this week, fellas. We've got real basketball to break down. Two preseason wins in Abu Dhabi against the Mavs. Talking about how the Wolves can avoid a slow start like they had last season. We'll look to some possible extensions, perhaps, before the season. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to have these guys look into their crystal balls and read the future on some elements of this Timberwolves team. Today's show is presented by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at JaceMedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. It, uh, it's kind of jarring, fellas, when you look at Wolves' preseason box scores. And as someone who primarily, primarily covers the NFL... I don't expect to see the stars playing in these games, but then I look and I see, whoa, Carl Anthony Towns played and was effective. Anthony Edwards played. Rudy Gobert played. This is awesome. I can get behind NBA preseason because this is actually real basketball being played. Luca and Kyrie on the other side, Wolves-Mavs. I can actually learn something from this. Reggie, let's start with you. What did you learn from the Wolves games in Abu Dhabi?
2: Cat. Cat's aggressive. I think um, that's something that he probably wants to make a like a, an an extra effort to do, um, and and also it looks like the uh, the contract extension for Nas Reed is not in vain. I know it's just preseason, but you know he's playing well. Um, I, I think this Timberwolves team. Uh, there's a lot of expectations for these guys like there's a lot of money tied up into these guys as well and so I think um they're coming out and showing you know what they can do it it is interesting Sam because you're like well you, you don't think you're gonna see as much from you know the main guys as as maybe possible we didn't see Ant in the first game because of an ankle injury he scored 13 uh in game two so You know, minutes are being managed, but I think you've seen good things from the guys in the minutes that they have played, and that's pretty encouraging.
0: And this is one element, too, before we get to Jack Borman, where you talk about load management in the NBA and how they're trying to crack down on it. I mean, look what you can get out of a cat if you just play him 17 minutes, right? Like that could be the load management is you give him lower minutes, but still let him be effective and let him put on a show. For those minutes, Jack, what do you think of the preseason games?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great thing that, that the guys are playing uh, to try to invo- avoid the slow start that they had last season. But, you know, a big thing to follow this season is going to be how they split the rotation up and that you're going to have some players that kind of play more with Rudy Gobert and some players who play more um, with Carl Anthony Towns. And so in game one, you saw that the Rudy... Uh, folks were, were Mike Nas, Troy Brown Jr. and Jordan McLaughlin, while Jaden McDaniels, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Shake Milton and Kyle Anderson primarily played with Carl Anthony Towns. Then it was pretty much the the same in Game Two, except Shake Milton and Kyle Anderson flipped to go play more with Rudy Gobert. And, and for the first two preseason games, you saw Shake and Kyle play almost all their minutes together, um, which is just something that I think will be will be something to follow this season. And then um, and then also too, I think you're going to see a lot more perimeter defending. Out there with Carl Anthony Towns, um, and a more aggressive style of defense being played out there, with guys like Nikhil Alexander Walker, McDaniel's, uh, Anthony Edwards playing playing more with with Towns, or getting more size at the the guard wing spot out there with them. Um, and then when Carl Anthony Towns was not on the floor, um, they they rolled out these gigantic lineups where you had six foot five Shake Milton, six seven Troy Brown Jr., six nine Kyle Anderson, six nine Nas Reed, and seven foot one Rudy Gobert um that that's certainly going to be something to keep an eye on is that finch really likes these these jumbo lineups that um were just a wrecking ball defensively uh caused the maps all sorts of problems in the half court so um those are those are probably the two biggest uh takeaways besides uh carl anthony towns looking very much like his all nba self from Mm -hmm. two seasons ago let's swing it to ron johnson
3: yeah, for me, when I look at it, and I and I do I do like the, the big lineups, um, I, I take it back to Syracuse. When you think about Syracuse's long lineups and how they always recruited, um, that's what this could look like. But the big difference, I think, what the the Timberwolves would do is you got to flip it like hockey. You got to switch the lineups up. Once they start to figure out one set of defense, you switch the players in and out. And that's the one thing about basketball. And that's why all the points make sense, Sam. You're right. Like if you can figure out ways to keep cat uh rested where he's not feeling like he needs to play you know through two three quarters straight with no rest or maybe a minute rest at the end kind of like lebron used to do um uh, you got to figure out better ways because clearly his health is the key if they can get out to a fast start and and then get these guys in switch up the lineups use the big defensive lineup uh the one thing i like to see though was rudy gobert actually getting rebounds and blocks like last year it felt like he was a shell of himself at times it felt like he didn't really know where he belonged within his team um, you know, Kat made a comment about they were better than the Denver Nuggets because they only had four weeks to, or four to five weeks to prepare where the Nuggets had, you know, whatever, four to five years to prepare for this. Um, but I do understand a little bit of that. It's just it's too big. Like you can put this USA team together with all these greats and they're going to go out there and dominate. Why? Because they all know their role within the USA team. But then when you put a team together like this with two guys that are used to playing the big spot. You have to figure out who's where on offense, who's where on defense. It feels like maybe they're starting to figure that out. Where Rudy Gobert definitely needs to be the rim protector, Carl Anthony Towns needs to be needs to be the facilitator, and then Rudy needs to like. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, alley oop from Carl Anthony Towns to Rudy Gobert because he's gonna he's gonna require two people at times when he starts to drive, and then he has to learn how to does dish it off. Um, but that's that's one of those things that comes with time, comes with playing together, understanding positions, where you're gonna line up, where you're gonna stand. Uh and I and I do like the fact that Anthony Edwards is still aggressive. Like some of the highlights I was seeing, it's like, wow, like this this guy is taking everything to heart that Steve Kerr said. Uh he he's letting everybody know that he is trying to take over. Uh he said when he put that five on his back, he felt better. And so just some of the things he's doing aggressively, uh, and trusting his shot, whether it's a a, a, a between the legs, back behind the back, spin, step through, you know, hesitate, fade. I mean, he's He's got it all in his bag right now, and and I'm excited to see how far he takes it. And I hope, I hope Cat can play second fiddle at times and then vice versa. When he sees Cat's on, he can play second fiddle. The other one, too, is Mike Conley Jr. Uh, where does he fall in this facilitation role? We saw D'Angelo Russell led the team last year in assists. Michael, or sorry, uh, Mike Conley wasn't too far off of five assists, and he came in late. So now can he take over that six to seven assists, maybe eight to nine assists a game, uh, being a true facilitator to these offensive weapons?
4: Ben. Yeah, the biggest thing for me was ball movement offensively. Uh, I was really impressed with, um, especially early in the preseason, and and I think we'll get into the start of last season here a little bit later and how they they the Wolves did start slow in the regular season. I think, A, having all those guys on the floor for the most part, you know, no Ant in the first game, no Jaden McDaniels in the second game. Um, but then to also see... How well the ball moved, how crisply the offensive uh, rotations or the offensive ball movement was. Um, guys getting to the right spots to, to you know to get catch and shoot threes, um, driving and kicking. Um, you know, passes out of pick and roll instead of just attacking tunnel vision. You know, which we've seen in the past from Ant and others. Uh, I was really impressed with with just how willing and and ready everybody was to pass the ball on the offense, and then in general how hard the team played which is related to that, but we saw cat diving on the floor for a loose ball. We saw them attacking um, the glass, you know, rebounding was still a bit spotty, I think on the defensive side of the floor, but in general, it seemed like the team overall was more aggressive, was taking this a little bit more seriously. And, and, and um, you know, to the, to your point earlier, Sam, you know, the Mavs played most of their guys too. Uh, they didn't seem to be playing with the same aggression as the wolves, which is, you know, understandable. Like at times it felt like Luca was kind of like, why are these guys playing so hard? And, and, Like on the one hand, if they hadn't played really hard and they'd lost, we would have been like, ah, it's fine. It's the preseason. So does it really matter? I I think it does in part because of the slow start last year. And it does seem like the wolves came into preseason saying like, okay, we're going to take this seriously. We may only play 15, 20 minutes as starters or or primary rotation guys, but when we're on the floor, we're going to play hard. And you know, you practice like you play, right. Or you play like you practice. And so, um, that's, you gotta, you gotta play hard in the preseason. And, and to show this, um, progress I think on the offensive end of the floor instead of just um, you know isolation after isolation or you know one pass possessions to see the ball move as crisply as it did I think was really encouraging
0: yeah I mean I think setting a habit of playing hard regardless of opponent every night is a good practice for this team because they prove they cannot be trusted to coast over an opponent let's talk about that slow start last year Wolves with Cat before the injury were 10 and eleven. And in those 11, losses to Utah, two losses to San Antonio, um, a loss to Charlotte, a loss to Washington. Those are all teams the Timberwolves should be beating. And, you know, you can play this game all day, but if the Wolves simply beat last year, like the four worst teams in the NBA, they could have been a three seed easily in the playoffs. Uh, So take care of business on those days where you might mentally think, I can coast through this one. No, you can't. It's the NBA, and you haven't proven anything yet. So is is it that simple, uh, Ben? We'll swing it back to you that the Wolves just show up on nights when they're supposed to win. Is that how they avoid the slow start from last year? That's a huge piece of it. Yeah. Um, and and I,
4: I wish I had pulled the exact number, but I mean, you're right. The bottom four teams in the league last year, like Charlotte, Detroit, et cetera, the Wolves were like well below 500 against those teams. I think they won like three or four combined games out of like 12 against those teams. It was crazy. Um, and pr- they were pretty competitive against the good teams, which is, by the way, one reason to be Um, optimistic about where the wolves will finish up this year because if they keep playing good teams well, and they beat those bad teams, like you said, that overall record will bounce back. I think there was some bad luck mixed in there too. In terms of the start of the season, remember last season Carl towns was really sick before the year and he lost like 30 pounds. Um, Didn't play really hardly at all in preseason. He and Rudy, I think played one preseason game together, very limited minutes. Rudy was coming off of EuroBasket, and I know everybody, everybody played in FIBA world cup this year, but um, Rudy seems to be in better um, I don't want to say better shape, but like physically, he seems to be in a better place now than he was 12 months ago. So I think just having those guys healthy and on the floor together, and in some ways, I, like, dare I say, midseason form, at least in terms of cat, uh, his conditioning, the way he's playing, et cetera, far better than he looked at any point last season. Um, so I think that's going to help a lot. And then also continuity, uh, the top seven guys in the rotation this year, if you're including Kyle Anderson and, and um, Nas Reed off the bench, finished the year with this team last year. So yeah, they, they, you know, added some depth on the edges and shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. But um, the the main rotation guys were all with this team last year. So I think continuity plus um, Rudy and Kat being healthy and playing together and not just in the preseason games, but also practice and training camp. Those things matter. And it didn't happen at all last year. Chris Finch talked about it. I remember around the time Kat got hurt last year, he was kind of bemoaning the fact that they basically practiced a couple times together. Because once Mm -hmm. you get into the season, other than shootarounds, you're not having very many real practices. So, um, I think health and continuity is going to contribute to a much a much better start to this season than we saw last year. Ron, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, when you when you look at the slow start, oh. um, the biggest thing, honestly, and and again, I'm, I'm looking at stars. When you look at the stars on these teams, they have to be there. Like, and I hate to go to other sports, but you look at the Vikings; their stars aren't vocal. Their stars have – it's felt like a weird season to start. Um, I, I think that's going to be the same thing in basketball. You, you watch early on uh, when, you know, like the Warriors went on a run early and everybody's like, oh, they might they might take over the Bulls, you know, record for wins. Um, and, and you think about that team. And then you look at uh, when Kobe Bryant and Shaq took over. You look at when Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade and um, LeBron took over. Like it's – when you start off fast, it's your leaders that get you going. And so these leaders have to get them going. Also, I go back to what you said, Sam. I think that makes total sense. You got to find a way to keep Cat rested and healthy uh, without wearing him down, where he feels like after five games, hey, I need a night off. And that's that's the problem, too. When you see guys like Anthony Edwards, uh, you, you see other other stars, Jason Tatum say, man, like, I'm, I don't need to rest. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he doesn't need to rest. So you got to figure out what Carlin D. Towns, one, is it conditioning in the offseason? season. Uh, is it getting away from these video games? What is it? Um, but I feel like that's part of the slow start is really dead, dedicating time to basketball, but then also figuring out how to keep on the court. When I look at, and, and not to jump ahead, but when I look at these first couple of games and the teams they're playing, it's not an easy start. And that's right. the problem. You got the, you got the Sixers, the Kings, the Grizzlies, you got the jazz in there. Um, even though the jazz to me, aren't a great team, they are still a team that gave the Timberwolves fits. Um, but you, you look at those Kings, you look at the Knicks, even that were, you know, that had a solid finish last year. Um, you do have to play the Mavericks at full strength. Um, I don't know if that's going to matter. But then I think the the one for me that I'm really going to be watching to see where the, the Timberwolves are is that heat game. That first early heat game, October 28th. That's where I want to see. One, does Jimmy Butler acknowledge the Timberwolves exist? And two, can they slow him down where no other team could?
0: Yeah, Butler is going to get booed like crazy (laughs) at Target Center in the home opener. You know that they're going to be fired up. But Ron's right, Jack. I mean, this schedule out of the gate. And the Wolves have always been known to, I think, play up or down to their opponents. And this is going to force them to to wake up right away because you got uh, some really tough games at home, including Boston and Denver, you know, Miami. And then you go on a five-game trip. Right out, the, right out of the gate, and you got Wemby, and you've got Golden State, and you've got Phoenix, so it, it's going to be tough uh, right away, so the Wolves are going to have to be engaged early to avoid that slow start.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they absolutely will, I mean, and, and you look at their first 18 games of this season, uh, it, thankfully 10 of them are at home, 8 of them are on the road, um, but one thing that's going to be important early to, to Ron's point about making sure guys are rested is that seven of those games they'll they'll have a rest advantage over their opponent and nine of the games they'll be equal meaning the only two games they'll be at a rest disadvantage in, in that in those first two months of the season and they only have two back-to-backs before christmas and then you know their first 10 games if you just look at like where teams are in terms of you know the draft kings win totals for what they're projected to be this season um the timberwolves first 10 games is the third hardest in, in the league right now and their second mm-hmm. 10 is the 10th hardest so um certainly is a tough start. Uh, but I, I just think that they can't, they can't, you know, not take a game seriously. And I think that that's what you're saying, Sam, like that they play up to, to their opponents. I mean, you look at last season, they they were 25 and 22 against teams 500 or better. Uh, they were 17 and 18 against teams below 500. And, and what you were saying, Ben, against the three worst teams in the league, they were five and five. If they would have been eight and two, they would have been the five seed. If they would have been, you know, nine and one, that's the four seed right there. So um, you know, and, and Rob makes a great point too, with, with the stars. I think like they get, they have to set a tone of, Hey, we're not messing around here. And I think that's where Mike Conley is, is going to be a huge help. Like the, the wolves weren't losing a bunch of games to bad teams once Mike Conley was there in and in a really respected, um, and, and look to voice in that locker room. Um, you know, you, you think about what he did in that game against the Pelicans at the end of the year, where. You know, you have that fight in the first half, he rallies everybody, Jaden breaks his hand, and then Mike's in the locker room saying like, guys, hey, we have an opportunity here to, you know, still win this game and, and come together. And that's exactly what happened. So I think from a leadership standpoint, um, you know, they're going to be in a good spot relative to where they were last year. And, and they don't have to worry about also, like Ben was saying, all those factors with Cap being injured or Cap being hurt or uh, sick and Rudy. I'm still being really banged up from Eurobasket and, and none of those guys really practiced together in training camp last year or played together in the preseason. That's what they're doing this year. I think they're going about it the right way. Uh everything that that we've heard, practices have been really great. Everybody's going hard, playing well. So um, yeah, just take everything seriously and um you know, and really just I think players gotta buy into to what they're doing. And and we heard a lot from from players about how they were really eager to sacrifice for one another and, and play the role that that the coaches coaching staff believes they're best suited for um right out of the gate. And that and that's all the things that you want to hear from a team that that hopefully is ready to go right away.
0: Yeah, let's get that chemistry back the Wolves had two years ago, and everybody just seemed to love each other. That was such a likable The Bahama team, Reggie. Wolves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I love that team. The Abu I mean, Dhabi Wolves now. <laughs> it was gone last year. I missed it. I missed that um just they were simpatico with everything they were doing. Reggie, what do you think about this slow start issue?
2: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, the 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 word that came out of the locker room was that Delo was a bit of a cancer, if you will. Um and and moving him out kind of really helped things kind of gel a little bit more as the season went along. And, you know, as Jack said, getting Mike Conley was huge. Just someone who could just stabilize the unit, I think was nice. And just kind of going off of what some of everybody has said, um, just gelling, man. Like last year after their 10 and 11 start, I mean, we had conversations on the pod, like, is this going to work? Like, did the Wolves just make a fatal error? trading for Rudy Gobert to go along with another big man in Carl Anthony Towns. Like, you know, the twin towers, do they even work? Is it, is it going away from today's NBA having two big guys like that? And like, we were like legitimately asking that question because it looked clunky out there and they looked like they didn't enjoy playing with each other. They also just looked like they had no synergy out there. And so I think that was a, that was a big issue. Um, And then, you know, cat goes down and now they, they have to try to, you know, play and win without him. And they changed up the playing style and then cat comes back and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do you integrate cat into it? I think those factors are not a thing this year. They're practicing together. I I like that. They're getting these good minutes together in preseason play. um, Just because I feel like that's going to help them hit the ground running once the season starts with the schedule being what it is. And so, I think that's how they avoid the slow start. They've played together a little bit more, they understand each other a little bit more. I think I like what Ron said, maybe Cat throwing some oops to Rudy um every now and again, that that could help as well. Just see how they play together, see how they can actually work together and be successful with two big men on the floor. I mean, Cat is a guy that he wants to play a little bit more on the perimeter than down low so if rudy is clogging up the you know the paint then you know cat stepping out picking and popping with the three and all that good stuff like that could help as well but i think i think just them having this time together in the preseason practicing more no you know whatever it was with with the sickness with cat happening and he losing all that weight, that's not a factor this year I think all those things are a recipe for a better start this season.
0: We're going to talk about Jaden McDaniel's future with the Wolves around the corner. I want to get your guys' take as well on last year's first-round pick, Wendell Moore. And we'll play a little crystal ball to finish the show. But first, a word from Jace Medical. Let me tell you about Jace Medical and the Jace case, providing you with five life-saving antibiotics for when you need them most. Uh, I've got a a -a two-and-a-half-year-old son who got sent home from daycare a couple days ago, got pink eye. So we call the nurse line, and we try to get a prescription written. Okay, a prescription gets written. Oh, the pharmacy didn't get the prescription. Okay, so we got to call back. We got to sit on hold, and we got to wait for the prescription to get filled. It was a hassle to get that antibiotic ointment to help his eyes. Well, Having those antibiotics on hand, it just takes out the middleman because you can feel the peace of mind, feel the security to know that you can help yourself and your loved ones when something arises that's unexpected. So with Jace, uh, they make everything very simple for you. Uh, You fill out a simple online form, maybe jump on a quick call with a board-certified physician, then get ongoing care from those physicians on any treatment-related Issues. They send you a case to deal with 50 possible infections. Five life saving antibiotics for emergency use to give you that peace of mind. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. All right, fellas. Pushing on here on the Minnesota Basketball Party. And, folks, please subscribe on YouTube on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Also find the audio on the Locked On Wolves audio feed wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate that. Help others discover the show as well. Tell your friends about it. It's Wolves Talk every Wednesday on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Jaden McDaniels kind of playing the fourth fiddle here because you've got Ant you know, with that that Supermax and Cat and and uh, Rudy Gobert, they're all getting paid massive money. Jaden McDaniels entering the last year of his deal and then a, uh, an RFA year after that. Let's start with Jack Borman. Is something going to get worked out long term with Jaden McDaniels? Or do you think this is, is very much year to year with him potentially playing this out in Minnesota and then getting paid elsewhere?
1: Um, before media day, I would have said that the chances of him getting an extension or both sides agreeing new extension were were low before the season. But I actually think he he will sign an extension before the season starts. So he has until October twenty third um, to to sign one. Um, that's according uh, to our to our friend Dane Moore. Um, and and Tim Connolly said on media day that you know he and McDaniel's agents have had a lot of constructive conversations. Um, at that point, you know, in the, in the weeks leading up to that. Um, and I don't think Tim Connolly is a guy that would would say that, um, you know, if if that wasn't actually true and he didn't actually feel really good about the chances of of both sides being able to come to an agreement. Um, but but something to keep in mind there, Jane McDaniel's agent is Bill Duffy. That's the same agent as, as Anthony Edwards, who who signed an extension with the Timberwolves already this over the offseason. Um, but one of Bill Duffy's clients is DeAndre Ayton, who, um, you know, kind of famously a couple seasons ago. Uh, did not sign an extension. And, and the Suns kind of dared Bill Duffy to go and find DeAndre Ayton a max in restricted free agency. And that's exactly what Bill Duffy did. He got a max offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers, which um, the Phoenix Suns then turned around and signed. And uh, I think that the prospects of, of Jayden McDaniels getting a max extension on the free agent market or restricted free agent market um, is much higher than DeAndre Ayton. So I think that um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a situation where uh, you're gonna, you're gonna try to dare Bill Duffy to go find a better deal. I think that you know he's one of the power players on the agency side of things, and, um, and the, and the Timberwolves are gonna do everything that they can to to sign something here before, um, you know, before the season starts. But if not, you know, I'd, I'd still be really, really surprised if uh, they did not come to to some sort of uh, agreement in restricted free agency at the very worst uh, next offseason.
4: Ben. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it gets done. Uh, we saw Devin Vassell sign, I think, just this last week for like five years, 146, I believe. Um, and that was a little higher than I would have thought he would have gotten. And so I think McDaniels has to be in that neighborhood, if not higher. Um, certainly, uh, I, I mean, I to Jack's point, like next summer, somebody, somebody all it takes is one, right? That's what I always say about free agency. All it takes is one to to say, hey, hey this guy's worth a max. and clearly we saw Jaden's offensive game improve. I mean, he improved on both the ends of the floor last year. He's improved every single year in the league and uh, shooting almost 40% from three, uh, you know, creating for others. Like there's clearly, what was it last summer where Chris Finch threw out a Scotty Pippen comp for him, like kind of um, uh, off the cuff uh, in a media session. So I, like, I'm not saying that he has Scotty Pippen type upside, but like he's got serious upside and all it takes is one to sign him to a max in free agency. So Um, Yeah, I think the Wolves, it's in their best interest to get it done. We saw him sit out the second game in Abu Dhabi with uh, the calf soreness. And Finch, I believe, said most recently uh, that there is no update on his status. I don't know that this is like, hey, I'm waiting to sign my extension. I'm I'm not saying that's for sure what's going on here, but there could be some of those games played in the next couple of weeks, too. So I think it's in everyone's best interest to get this thing figured out. And I, I agree with Jack. I
0: tend to think it does get done here in the next couple of weeks. And, and let me just follow up with a, a dumb question. I mean, I know they've got the harder cap, the, the apron, which I don't fully grasp yet. But you're saying that with Rudy money, cap money, ant money, this is feasible, that they could sign a pretty robust extension with Jaden. And it's not going to harpoon their luxury tax. Short answer is yes. But, Jack, go go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the the biggest thing here is that the Timberwolves are going to have to choose. Like, they're not going to be able to keep all of Cat, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, and Jaden McDaniels. Like, that's just not going to happen. They're really only going to be able to afford three of the four, unless Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez want to pony up and and pay, you know, a luxury tax bill that would be well north of fifty million dollars uh, if if they decided to to keep those players together. And then that bill only um, gets higher and higher um, the, the the longer that they they keep them together. So. Um, yeah, it's certainly unlikely that that this kind of core four, if you will, will be the Timberwolves, um, you know, core four even beyond this season. I think after this season is when they're really going to have to make a decision there. But um, yeah, I, I think that no matter what, Jaden McDaniel's will be will be part of that that four.
2: Okay, that, Red, yeah, you know, who Red, they
0: choose? Yeah, Reg, what do you make of it?
2: Yeah, that was the one thing, Sam. You asked the question that I was going to like. Where is all the money? Like, how is this going to? Play out. I I would mm, I would like to know from Jack, like, who do you feel like is the odd man out? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's there have been times where people were like, oh, they're going to, you know, maybe try to see if they can part ways with Kat. And then it's like, well, maybe they want to part ways with Rudy, but does anybody want to take on that Rudy contract? And so I think it's going to be a, a difficult, a difficult situation regardless they're going to have a decision to make from the moment tim Connolly got here he was like yeah you know cat's a guy that we want to see his his jersey hang from the rafters like he's been saying that and so do you then go back on that and and trade him or you know i just think it's a it's an interesting situation um but to you guys point about Jaden mcdaniel's like he's a guy that and i think we talked about it last week like he's a guy that you want to rely on to be your quintessential three and D player. You know, he can knock down a three and then he can lock up your best offensive player on the other end. I think that's, that's what you want out of him. And maybe his ceiling is even higher than that as he continues to improve. But as long as he continues to improve on this trajectory that he's on, I think he's a very valuable asset to this Timberwolves team. And, you know, not a bad, you know, one, two, three, fourth option, if you will, um, on this on this the offensive side of the ball. So I think I'm I'm interested to see what they get done if they do get something done before the season starts. But, you know, he is a player that I think you want to have as as part of your long term future with the Timberwolves. Ron. Yeah, I'm just looking at
3: the salaries and and I'm 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 kind of I'm on the opposite end. I just don't see him right now as a guy that should get 100, you know, $130 million. And so my, my thought is I think they are going to maybe have him test the water. Not to say, like, test it like we want you to go, like, hey, to his agent. Let's see what's out there for him. That's just my opinion. I could be completely wrong. But I think it's when you look at $84 million is going to Rudy, $195 million is going to Carlin D. Towns, and then $219 million is going to Anthony Edwards – to have another hundred million dollar player who quote unquote, you don't know what you're gonna get every night out of them. That to me seems tough to swallow. But and I said this before, and and, and I'm 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 gonna stick to it. I feel like Jaden McDaniels probably should have got that money, but maybe Rudy Gobert shouldn't have been there. But we we can't go back now. But I that was where yeah. I always stood. I thought Carl Anthony Towns, and you remember that, Sam. I said that when they first got him. I just wasn't a fan of the Rudy Gobert edition. Uh, the whole Twin Towers thing in the NBA, when you see the Suns get rid of DeAndre Ayton, I just feel like more teams are feeling like, look, we got to keep up with the best. The only team that truly uh, plays it is, uh, what's his name, Denver. And they only have one. I mean, they, Aaron Gordon just likes to play bully ball. And I feel like Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Jaden McDaniels, to me, is a guy that can actually defend uh, Jokic because of he stays up top so much. When he goes down, you just got to have a plan for it. Maybe you switch off. Maybe Carl takes him when he goes down. I don't know but I just wasn't a fan. But figuring that out that's the key cuz cuz you got a guaranteed 84 to Rudy. So how much can you guarantee to Jaden? Is he willing to take a 100 million dollar contract but the guarantees aren't as high? And then you can kind of play with it to say, "Hey, look, if you have a two great years, we're going to keep paying you. But hey, if you fall off and punch another wall, we can take some money away." So I don't I don't know that aspect of it. I just, it does looking at these salaries, it's tough to throw him in that $100 million range looking at this team right now and then think that like Mike Conley is going to just stick to his 14 guaranteed, his $24 million for this season. And he may be, you know, like, do they want to extend him? Do they want to just say Wendell Moore Jr.? And we'll, you know, I know that's coming up. Um, but I think that's going to be the key. Looking at these salaries to throw another $100 million into this group, I just don't see how it can work.
0: Yeah. And I, I guess one way of looking at it is if you do sign him, you are locking up an asset, knowing you might have to sacrifice him later, but then you own that asset. You can trade that asset True. once once the money becomes too difficult. And I think Nas is a little bit the same thing. You know That Nas deal would be very tradable in theory if you ever wanted to part ways or the money wasn't working out or the team was tanking, heaven forbid, uh, where you have the asset, you can trade the asset and then get something for it. Uh, let's talk about Wendell Moore, Ron. You brought that up. You mm-hmm. were a big fan of Wendell Moore, Ron. Uh, yeah. I know because you know Duke guy. You loved watching him. Didn't do much last year, and I yep. don't know if there was a lot of room for him. He appeared in 29 games, scored a uh, 1.4 points per contest. I, like I just wonder if there's even a path for him to be more of a contributor this year because they are kind of rounded out with their with their depth pieces already. What do you think of Wendell Moore's progression?
3: I don't think he's an Anthony Edwards backup. I think he should be a Mike Conley backup. When you look at Duke basketball players as a whole, you you look at Grayson Allen and some of these guys that come into the league, they all learned how to play the point guard position because of how Coach K ran that offense. And I think Wendell Moore Jr. is smart enough to say like, and this is the thing about the NBA. Nobody runs the press anymore. Nobody's like challenging you 94 feet. Like that's college basketball. Pro, you get to walk it up nice and got That's why Draymond Green can play the point. Like, if you had to press Draymond Green, he's he's turning it over, most likely, or he's going to offensive foul you and kick you in the balls. But when you when you think about Wendell Moore Jr., I think this is a guy that can bring the ball up the floor at 6'5". He can play next to Anthony Edwards. He can see over a, a smaller guard, maybe guard him, that can get it into the post quick to Carl Anthony Towns. He can shoot. He can, And he's not a big three-point shooter, but when you watched him at Duke, he was a slasher. Like, he was a guy that know, knew how to get to the basket. And if you have so many eyes on Anthony Edwards, when he kicks it out, if you have a guy that can kind of pump fake, get the defense rotating, and then just literally attack the basket, who can then either decide to dish it or lay it up at 6'5 with his size, I think he's another, like, battery piece. You can, you can take one battery off the court, plug him in as another battery that's going to come in and give you, I don't know, five minutes of production, seven minutes of production. But I feel like he could be a long-term solution. I heard the Suns broadcast uh, was it last night? I think when they were saying how they don't have a true point guard anymore because Chris Paul went over to the uh, to the Warriors. And then what did you see? You saw a bunch of guys just on the floor playing. They're and and their big three right now aren't even playing, but they're saying they want to get them in. You know, these last two games possibly. But they're just looking at it like, look, we don't really need a facilitator in Chris Paul. We need somebody who's going to facilitate and bring the ball up. Who's going to be selfless and get the offense going? And I think that's what Wendell Moore can be at times when Mike Conley Jr. has to sit down uh, versus trying to get Anthony Edwards out and then bring him in. I think Anthony Edwards needs to be pushed to the limits. Like if he says, I can go the entire game, you let him go the entire game because he's young, he has those legs, and his mentality is different. You shouldn't have to take him out for Wendell Moore. So I think Wendell Moore could be there. He could be the guy to come in and help out at that point guard position. Uh, and then just be a glue piece he could be around the team you know as, as what eighth guy seventh eighth guy um but but you have to get him in there and get get opportunity the problem is when you when you look at uh Nikhil, um you know he's another guy that's going to come in and be a defender um so figuring out what what your lineup looks like who can you take out who can you plug in uh who's going to play well together and that's what the preseason is for but i, I think they need to use them duke I, i've always been a fan of duke players
0: yeah, if uh, if McLaughlin looks like he did in the playoffs last year, then I'm all for having a change up at that backup point guard spot. Ben, ben, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think either Wendell
4: Moore or Jordan McLaughlin are in the rotation when the season starts. I mean, I think if Moore was ready, then they probably wouldn't have signed both Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. True. And brought back Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, but also... Of note, both Milton and Brown only the first year of their deal is guaranteed. They both have completely non-guaranteed second years of their deal. And the Wolves, no doubt, are—I mean, they drafted Wendell Moore in the first round. They did give him some rotation minutes uh, out of necessity last year after injuries, but like they were willing to put him on the floor. He was basically the eleventh man, like the first sub off the bench after the main rotation guys in the first two preseason games. So clearly, they—they they still think he has the ability to be a rotation guy. They just don't think he's quite ready yet. And maybe it's by the end of the year. I mean, if he's probably the next man up, it's either here, McLaughlin, you know, kind of at that, uh, that fifth guard spot, if you will, that would help initiate offense if somebody's hurt, foul trouble, et cetera. Um, so I think he'll get his opportunities this year. I don't think he's like, like, I think he's going to rack up DNP CDs to start the season. Um, but as the year wears on, he'll get more opportunity. I mean, when he came out of Duke, I had him the way I described him on, on lockdown wolves was a two-way role player. I think that he has a, a limited ceiling. Um, but the floor is relatively high. I think he can be an effective defender. He shot the ball well enough, catch and shoot. He was like around 40% catch and shoot threes at Duke. Um, so he can do some of those other things. And to Ron's point, he can also initiate some offense. I just don't know that he's quite ready to do it at the level that you need your your uh your rotation guys to do it. If you're trying to win 50 games and be a top four or five seed in the conference. So hopefully by the end of the year, he gets there. I just think he's behind shake Milton. I think he's behind Troy Brown jr. I think he's behind Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, And I think we could talk about whether or not it's here, Jordan McLaughlin, that would be kind of that next man up at, at point guard, but shake Milton's going to be your primary backup there too. So Um, and also Nikhil Alexander Walker is probably going to initiate some offense with the second unit. So, I still like Wendell Moore Jr., and my guess is that if everything works out exactly how Tim Connolly and Chris Finch plan, like this time next year, we're talking about Wendell Moore as as one of the primary backups in the rotation off the bench. I just don't think they're starting the season with that in mind, and that's not a bad thing either because he was a rookie last year, so there's no major rush. It's it's kind of a luxury to not have to rely on him with, with at the start of the season.
0: And I am very excited to say Shake Milton a lot this year. So I don't mind if Shake is is taking his spot. Uh Reggie.
2: Yeah, I I don't see him as a rotational piece this year. I think, you know, they're continuing to just kind of not put him on ice, but he and Josh Minot are are just kind of like developmental guys. They're just they're just kind of Taking their lumps and and getting the reps in and and moving forward, I don't think this is the year that we see them kind of shine. Um, specifically, Wendell Moore Jr. Like I think he does some good things. He's shown some flashes in summer league play. Um, I, I just think that, as Ben said, maybe he's like a year away from being a guy who can truly, truly compete and contribute minutes to this team. I I just think the rotation like we're still trying to figure out what the rotation is going to be with all the guys that they have like they've bulked up with a lot of a lot of pieces where you're like okay how are all these pieces going to work together um and so i think there are not a whole lot of minutes to go around for all these guys and i think wendell moore jr i mean if it's if it's indicative i mean the last preseason game he played 17 minutes went two for seven six points you know like. Not anything that sets the world on fire or anything like that, but I think he's somebody that they, you know, drafted in the first round. Like, I think they have, I wouldn't say high, but they, they have some expectations for him to, to contribute um, at some point, but I don't think this year is the year. Jack?
1: Yeah, I think something you got to look at, too, with Wendell Moore is like he has a lot of experience playing around stars. Um, he spent spent a lot of time around star players at Duke as a complimentary kind of fill in the gaps role player. Um, you know, like you were saying, Ben, is this two way role guy on, on both ends of the floor. And, um, you know, if you look at his sophomore year at Duke, he was much more comfortable. He shot the ball better. He became a more efficient um, handler had more assists, turned it over less, um, was more impactful defensively. And I, I just think Wendell looked like a guy last year who, um, went from being extremely comfortable in, in the brightest of lights at Duke, um, to a guy that just like, wasn't super sure of himself and didn't have the same confidence that he played with. Um, and that confidence is really important to somebody, you know, that that's relying on, you know, a lot of the, the high floor or the, the, yeah, the high floor, low ceiling attributes that you're talking about with. Um, you know, being really smart, knowing exactly where to be, knowing where all your teammates are going to be, who you need to get the ball to, that type of thing. And I just think the biggest thing for Wendell is, like, how well he's going to shoot the three. I mean, he shot 41% from Duke his junior year um, and only shot, I think, 29% in the G League, um, you know, this past year in the games that he did play. Um, just because if he can confidently shoot the ball, that's just the the clearest path I see to him being a contributor offensively uh, beyond bringing the ball up every now and again. Um, but, but like his defense is going to be there. And if, and if shake gets hurt or, or Troy Brown jr. Gets hurt and, and Finch is rolling out that, you know, that huge defensive lineup with guys six, five or, or, or better, like Wendell can fit in. We saw in the, in the one game that he got a spot start last season, um, made John ja Morant's life really difficult for, for a night, um, which is pretty impressive for, for a guy like him to be able to, to do that right away off the bat or, you know, out of the rotation into, into a starting spot. So.
0: All right, we're getting low on time on the Minnesota basketball party, but we are going to do some rapid fire crystal mm-hmm. ball predictions before the end of the show. Quick, quick reminder first to check out the new 24 7 Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube live stream. Watch your favorite hosts around the clock. That includes Ben Beacon talking Locked On Wolves, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Please subscribe and watch at any hour of the day and get your wild. Wolves, Vikings, Twins, and Golden Gophers fix. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports, Minnesota. All right. I've got three predictions for everybody to make. Keep your answers brief, little explanation for them. My first question, who leads the Wolves in three-point percentage this season Last year, for reference, it was Conley Mm -hmm. at 42%, Anderson close behind at 41%. Let's start with Reggie.
2: I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Carl Anthony Towns. (laughs) Best (laughs) shooting big man ever. No, um, I, I just think, as a guy, I mean, like I said last week, he's posting these Instagram videos with Paul George, and they're just shooting threes. Paul Paul is shooting threes and Cat's shooting threes like he's a guard as well. I think that's what he wants his game to be. And I think he'll take enough of them and he makes them at a good enough clip that I think he'll probably do it. But, you know, it'll probably end up being somebody obscure. <laughs> Jack.
1: Yeah, the, the easy answer here for me is, is Carl. He shot over 40% from three and four of the last six seasons. Um, one of the five or six best three-point shooters in the entire NBA. Um, pretty easy, pretty easy one for me there.
0: All right, Ben.
4: Yep. I agree. I have cat. Um, he led the, you know, last year, obviously he was hurt a bunch and didn't shoot it well when he was on the floor compared to how he normally shoots it. He's 39 a half percent for his career. Um, two years ago, he led the team in three point percentage. He's been, besides last year in the top three in the team, you know, going back several years. So if we're setting odds, he's the obvious favorite. And then Mike Conley would be, you know, he's been 40 over 40 percent through the last four seasons, I think. So Conley would be the next most likely his volume is not going to be quite what Cat's is, but um, I'd go Cat and then Conley. And Ron.
3: I'm going to go Conley just for what uh, Ben said. It's the, the the number of shots taken. Cat's going to take way more threes. He's going to take some unopportunistic threes, we know. Uh, we're all going to be screaming, like, why did you shoot that instead of waiting for your team to get down the court because he thinks he's a guard. Uh, but, yeah, I think Mike Conley is going to be big spot shots, uh, kind of like Robert Ory. He's not going to be called on every time, but he's going to be that wide-open guard trailing down. Cat kicks it out to him. He'll be able to shoot wide open threes. Same with Anthony Edwards driving. He'll be able to shoot wide open threes. Whereas like Anthony Edwards is going to have to create his three. And same thing, Carl Anthony Towns is going to have a couple contested threes. Um, so I'm just going to go with Mike Conley just because of the type of threes he's going to be able to shoot this season.
0: All right, next prompt. We'll start with Jack. I want the Wolves record through 20 games. Uh, they were 10-10 and 10 last year. I want the record only. No explanation because the clock is ticking. 13-7.
4: Ben, it's exactly what I had. 13 and seven, Ron, 12 and eight,
0: Reg,
2: 14 and six. Ooh, Ooh. We got some
0: optimistic panelists here. I love it. Um, tough schedule too. That some be some big wins mixed in. All right. Last one. Who scores more per game? Nas or Rudy? I think Rudy had like 13 last year. Nas had about 11. Let's go with Ben. Uh, I have Rudy still. I think he's gonna get have more opportunities.
4: Uh, I, I still wonder how Nas is gonna get his minutes. I know I know the Wolves are gonna try and stagger Rudy and Cat a little bit more. So Nas is still gonna play, obviously, given the contract, et cetera, and he's really good. But I just think Rudy, plus a full season with Mike Conley, uh, you know, he'll get one or two lobs a game on average from, from Conley for easy buckets. So, and by the way, last year was Rudy Gobert's lowest scoring season since like his third in the league, like go back six years um, in terms of scoring average. So I think Rudy bounces back a little full season of Conley. And I think he edges Nas in the points per game category, Ron.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Rudy. I just think that the same reason, the lobs, uh, I think he's figuring out his game. And so it's going to be Rudy. I think Nas Reed's going to be close, but I think Rudy, you got, you're going to have to figure out ways to make sure they can't double cat.
2: Reg. Give me big Nas, not the little one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nas Reed is a a weapon, man. That's how I describe him. He's out there to score. Um, That'll be his role when he plays. I think Finch is going to get him out there as much as he possibly can. Give me Nas Reed.
0: I kind of like Nas, too. Yeah, they paid him for a reason because he can score in bulk. That's the Minnesota Basketball Party this week. It's Wolves Talk every Wednesday with Reggie, Jack, Ben, Ron, myself, Sam Ekstrom, just uh, the pass-first point guard here, just passing the ball, letting these guys <laughs> score the buckets. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnMN. I guess it's called X now. We appreciate you watching, subscribing, listening. We'll talk to you next week with more Wolves preseason breakdowns and talking points. Have a great day, everyone.